Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for being here. Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Disney Magic. Sherry Kennedy checking in with Cruise News and answering a listener question. She actually just got to Rome a few minutes ago, really. So we'll be talking with Sherry. Uh, Coming up this weekend, going over to Barcelona to sail on Carnival Horizon. It's her second voyage and doing a seven-night Mediterranean cruise on her. So we'll be doing the show next week from the ship. If you have any questions about the ship's layout, um, as far as programming, food, anything, feel free to drop me a line. Happy to um, report back to you or answer a question on the show. Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. And also, we'll be doing some posting along the way. So if you're not following um, on Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, or Twitter, um, or the website, cruiseradio.net, look for us there as well. All right. Sherry Kennedy with Cruise News. Hello, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Ciao, Doug. Yeah, so you're you're in Rome. You just literally walked off Holland America's Koningsdam. Uh, happy to be back on land after 14 days? I am. It was a fairly smooth crossing. But, you know, we had a few bumpy days, and it's just always stressful trying to get from the Civitavecchia port to central Rome. So, yeah, I'm happy to be here, and this is fun. I love doing these remote newscasts. Very good. So we'll get right to the cruise news here. Some upset passengers get themselves a free cruise. What happened here? Yeah, this is pretty interesting. And Well, Norwegians thought they would get some of their construction work accomplished on this two-week Panama Canal cruise from Miami to Los Angeles. And, you know, many of us have been on ships when they're doing painting and you smell the fumes coming in through your ventilation system. But this was full-blown refurbishment, it looks like, from the photos that I've seen. They're redoing the decks and everything else. So, you know, apparently it became more of a construction zone than a relaxation cruise, so to speak. So Norwegian stepped up to the plate. And after enough complaints were launched, they decided they would offer 100% future cruise credit of the amount of the fare that was paid. And it can be applied toward any other cruise of their choice from now until March 31st of 2023. So it's nice, I think, and in a little bit of an editorial blip, but they made it right. Don't you think? You know, I... First off, I think this is a great example of corporate greed because people bust their butt for their vacation dollar. And for them to tear the ship apart like that while people are enjoying a 14-night cruise from the East Coast to the West Coast, I, that's not cool at all in my book. And you know, they initially didn't give that 20, the um, 100% 
future cruise credit. It was initially 25%. And then once the media jumped on board and it was on CNN and Fox and uh, NBC and all that, then they said, oh, we're going to give them 100%. So it took a little pressure from the outside for them to actually go up to 100%. I'm glad they stepped up, but it's a shame that it took pressure for them to actually step up. Yeah. And that's funny because several years ago when the Norwegian Epic was coming out, I took the ship across on its inaugural, what wasn't really a revenue sailing that was greatly promoted, but there were paying passengers on it. And the entire time from Southampton to New York, there was carpet being laid. You could see the the carpet fuzz in the air. That's how bad it was. Yeah. But no one complained. You know, we didn't, you know, that was, I don't know how many years ago, maybe seven, eight, no one was complaining back then. You just figured it was the norm. But now, you know, you don't want to spend your hard-earned dollars to be in a construction zone for two weeks. And those are two long weeks, too, from doing a Panama Canal cruise. There's also the fact that they could have told these passengers, hey, we're doing some construction on your uh, cruise, and if you want to cancel, we'll give you the money back, no problem, but uh, there will be some noise. They didn't do that, so that's another issue. But anyway, moving on. Carnival Cruise Lines has upped their late-night menu game. What are we seeing here? Well, this is pretty cool, you know, for people that want to have a snack from 11.30 until 1 a.m., and it will be on the new Carnival Horizon to start. But, you know, that always ends up going fleet-wide eventually. And it's a complimentary late-night snack menu called Good Eats. And it's, it's pretty much sort of comfort food, I would think. They have chicken noodle soup. They have a Mexican macaroni salad and a, a spicy Italian sausage pasta. They have Italian meatball sandwich, a good old grilled ham and cheese, and a tomato mozzarella. So they're having a, you know, a vegetarian offer. And then also there's going to be a couple of cookies. They're going to have sugar cookies and chocolate chips in their cookies. So it's, it's an addition to and not in the place of the 24-hour pizza that they have. Okay, so some good heartburn food for the late night after the bar. Well, yeah, if, if the beer and, and cocktails don't do it to you, some of these spicy meatball <laughs> dishes will. <laughs> right. Something tells me you'll like this next story because you want to jump on a Cuba cruise. Uh, Carnival uh, rolling out more of them. I sure do. And I've been saying this for, what, I don't know, since I can remember since my first cruise I wanted to go to Cuba. Yeah, so the Carnival Paradise, it was just announced. There will be 20 more cruises to Cuba on that ship in 2019, and that, that will be departing from Tampa. And this is in addition to the 17 Uh, Cuba cruises that are already announced for the Carnival Sensation departing from Miami. So there's two ports that you can leave from to get to Cuba. So yeah, if you're looking for more cruises to to Cuba, uh, Carnival just added them. And I will be on one of them, I hope, maybe this summer, if not in the early fall, before the hurricane season. In our last talking point here, a Florida cruise port has beaten their last cruise passenger record. What do we have here? Well, this is the port of Tampa Bay. So that's kind of cool, the sleepy little port is now setting records during the two days of March 31st and April 1st, just, you know, recently, the port processed 29,167 passengers, and that beat out the previous record that was set in February. On Saturday, March 31st, uh, the Carnival Paradise, Miracle, and then Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas were in port, and the next day saw the Norwegian Dawn, Holland America's Rotterdam, which is really cool. It's a big ship. And then Royal Caribbean's Rhapsody of the Seas. Um, So six ships total and a new record was set. And they also have recently refurbished 
parts of the port, too. So, you know, it's all good. Our listener question today comes from, well, I'm not going to say her name, but she says, my husband and I are divorced and I want to take my son on a cruise for his 14th birthday. His father was cool with it at first, and now he's being a jerk and saying he won't sign for him to go with me. Do you have any suggestions or is there a way around this? This is a sticky question, and I've talked about this before. I, you know, I worked for six months in embarkation at Port Canaveral just to learn the ins and outs and the legal things that were going on. And, um, yeah, you have to have a notarized letter from the parent that you're going to take your child out of the country. Otherwise, basically, they, if they're that much of a jerk, they could, they could charge you with kidnapping. So you have to have a notarized letter and be as specific as possible. Don't just say, you know, don't, don't just have the other parent say, I get permission for little Timmy to go with his mother on a cruise to the Caribbean. Put in there the, the date that they're going, the ship and the itinerary, if you have that, the port that you're departing from. The more information, the better. It has to be notarized. And this also applies if your child is taking one of their friends with them on a cruise. That family has to supply you with a notarized letter as well. And it sounds very complicated, but with so many kidnappings and, you know, one parent takes another kid and they disappear to, uh, you know, another country and don't come back, this has to be done or it's a very, it could be a serious crime. And also, you know, get this letter, get this notarized letter in your hand before you make final payment. Does the cruise line provide any kind of template or form for this, or are you on your own? You have to draft it on your own. Now, they may have come up with a, a template form to use, but the best of my knowledge, there is not. So you would just type something up on your computer and then take that along with your ID if you're the parent who is not going with your child and the other parent and go to get it notarized. You can go to a bank. You can go to several places. Usually the bank's the easiest to find a notary and have the letter notarized. Give that to the spouse that's going on the trip, and you're cool. All is good. Been talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, we'll catch up in about two weeks because I'll be doing the show from Carnival uh, Horizon next week. And it's so awesome, and we're just going to miss each other by a day or two in Rome or somewhere along the way, right? Yeah, I think that you're leaving Rome. Actually, uh, you're leaving somewhere, and I'm getting there like a day after you. So, yeah, it's a shame we're going (laughs) to miss each other. Leave me something to find in that city. You know, that is so funny. I On the ship that, you know, on the um, Koningsdam, there was somebody who was telling me that he and his son did this. They went around and they buried a little bitty, you know, a little toy or something and left a clue for another family member that's going to be coming around to do the same trip next year to go look for these four little artifacts, if you would. So I can do that. I can try to hide something. We'll have our own geocaching game. You should, because I was actually, my, so my friend Ashley was in Barcelona a couple of days, and I'm going to be there in a couple of days, so I was like, hey, leave something for me, but she completely ignored me, so um, she's like, yeah, you're an idiot, so she didn't leave anything for me, so yeah, I look forward to you leaving me something. Sherry, thank you so much. Enjoy Rome and your way up to Northern Europe. Have a good one. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour. Take a beach break. 
or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling. Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Chris Gray Faust is the managing editor over at CruiseCritic.com, and she just returned from a five-night Western Caribbean sailing aboard the newly refurbished Disney Magic. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good. So, so much to talk about because of the refurb, and there was the Marvel Days at Sea on this uh, sailing as well. But uh, before we get to any of that, we'll take a step back. And uh, what were your pre-cruise thoughts? Because uh, we were chatting before the interview, and you're not like a huge you know, Disney person. No, I'm a very counterintuitive person to be on a Disney ship. Um, I, I don't have kids and um, you know, nothing against them, but I just don't have them. I'm not somebody who's been to the Disney parks. Uh, I had not seen a Disney movie in several you know, years, in fact, probably a decade. And you know, while I'm familiar with the Marvel comics because of my nephews, I really, again, had not really gone deep into that world. So yeah, I wasn't sure what I would think about Disney. You know, Disney has this reputation in travel that everything they do, they do well. And I did know that going in. So I was expecting to see very good service, obviously very good family programs. But some of the other things that I did end up seeing really kind of blew me away. I was very pleasantly surprised and really enjoyed many of the things um, that I, I quite frankly didn't really know about before I went. Cool. And we'll get to some of those in just a few minutes here. But before you get on the ship, of course, we go through embarkation. How was the embark process down at Port Miami for Disney? It was very smooth. You know, um, there's there's a lot of families who are there, but I think Disney handles it very well. They give people a certain time period to go in. And um, it seemed like they were processing people at a fairly uh, easy rate and a very regular rate, which is you know important if you have children. Um, if you're, you know, you don't want to be sitting around the port for a very long time if you've got a lot of young children who are eager to board. And so it felt like they were con- kind of controlled. They definitely controlled the amount of chaos by giving people certain boarding times to come. And it seemed like the families really did follow that, which made it a little bit less, certainly less chaotic than some embarkations. One question we always ask on the show is about how long did it take you from curb to ship? It was about, I'd say, a half hour. Okay, not bad at all. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Okay, so this being your first Disney Cruise Line experience, what were your first impressions walking into the atrium of Disney Magic? 
Well, the first thing they do, and this is this was really special, and I can see why families really love it. When you come in, you walk in, and they see your name, and they announce your name, like, welcome. You know, I was with a friend. They said Chris Gray Faust and Ted Sickler. And then there's a whole line of uh, officers and crew, and they clap as you come in, which really sets the stage, I think, for this, you know, the Disney idea of having a magical vacation, that that's just something extra that you don't see on most cruise ships, that you're really welcomed by name, they're clapping, they're making enthusiastic, um, there were characters right there, you know, Mickey and Minnie and that type of thing. And so that was really, that was the first impression, much more so than, it's, you know, one thing about the Disney ships is that they're not super overrun with Disney paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Like you don't go in there and think, oh my God, I'm in a Disney theme park. You walk, the, the Disney touches are very subtle. Disney magic in particular has an art deco style to it. And so Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Donald, they're all kind of in the freezes on the top of the atrium, mm-hmm. but they're not like poster board. Here they are, but they're, they're, it's all very subtle and very art deco and very cool how Disney has taken their characters, but and put them into the decor in that main atrium, but yet it's not in your face. So, like, you know, when you walk onto some cruise ships these days, and not necessarily the newer ones, but the older ones, they have, like, miles of neon lighting and all that. Is Disney, uh, is, is there atriums? I've never been on one. Is it more of, like, a subdued experience? It is, but not in a not in a negative way. It mm-hmm. still is very light and airy, uh, very family friendly. But it is a little bit more classic. It's on Disney Magic in particular. This Art Deco theme really goes through the atrium, and you know you could look down. And, and one thing, you know, there was Disney music playing. I think it was When You Wish Upon a Star or something like that. And so you know you are you still get that Disney. You, you know you're going on something that's different than the other ships that you've cruise lines that you've been on. But it's not in your face in a very negative, garish, I would say almost like very childish way. It's it's there's something there for adults too. Like you don't go in and think, Oh my god, I'm in a kid's room. You right. know, you think, Oh wow, this is this is a beautiful ship and it's I love this art deco and oh look, there's Mickey too. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you have on Magic and what did you think of it? We had a balcony. I think it was called the Ultimate Balcony. And I really like – Disney is known also for having very unique staterooms that are designed for families. And some ways that, th- that this carries through is that the bathroom is actually cut in two. So there's sort of two rooms that are bathrooms. One of them has um, the toilet and the sink. And then the other one has the shower and the bathtub and another sink, which is really handy if you're thinking like a family where there might be a child that has a bath time at night, you know, they can be in one bathroom while people can still use the other if you're there with a family. Um, the staterooms are a little bit bigger than what I would say a traditional balcony stateroom is on other cruise lines. Um, there's a divider between the bedroom area and the living room area that with, with a curtain that goes across. And pretty much, I mean, most, almost all their staterooms can um, house up to four people, so a real family can be in them. What they have is they have sofas that kind of pull out into a a single bed, and then they most room, a lot of the rooms have a a bunk bed that comes out of the ceiling. Since I was just with an adult friend, we didn't need that uh, bunk bed to come down. But what I found is that for two adults, there was actually quite a bit of privacy, more so than you might find on another ship because of the dividers and just because of the way they set it up with the different beds. Disney is really thinking about 
a family and about how parents possibly, you know, parents want some time away, you know, away from the children. The children might be napping, so they need some privacy. They want things to be a little quieter. You need sometimes more space. And so I thought that was very well designed. Um, and really, that configuration can work for a lot of different types of people. Um, on our sailing, there were many families traveling together, all sharing one room. Uh, I met one of my, uh, a writer was on board and she had a, a friend with her who also had a kid. So two kids and two adults, they were able to have uh, something that worked for them. There was one writer who was, there were four adults in one cabin with one, one of the couple's actually used the bunk beds, which I thought would be a little cramped. I don't know if I would do four adults in one of those staterooms. But for your average average family, which is the bulk of the people that are on Disney are two parents and some children, I can see where this really works out well. I was very impressed by it. You would not have gotten along growing up with us then because we cruised five in an inside stateroom growing up. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, when we cruised, actually, um, as a family, we were older. Uh -huh. And so my parents were able, they usually had a suite across, and then they'd have us in an inside cabin, like the two of us across the way. That was sort of, but again, that we were old enough to have our own cabin. Yeah. Let's talk about dining on Disney Magic here. Um, did you, first off, did you get to do, it was a five-night sailing. Did you get to do the uh, Rapunzel's Royal Table? I did, yes. Rapunzel's Royal Table is one of the new spaces that was added just a few um, months ago during Disney Magic's refurb. And going in there, it's again very a magical experience. I mean, this is magical is the term I'm going to use right. a lot, not just be, not because it's the name of the ship, but because Disney really works to kind of try to evoke that sense of wonder. And when you come in, that a little bit of like, wow. And Rapunzel's Royal Table really has that. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the movie Tangled, uh, Doug? You know what? I have not seen the movie, but I remember looking at the menu and the food that they're serving there now, and it looked amazing. I would describe the whole vibe of the, of the menu as sort of Oktoberfest means, meets Ren Fair, okay. uh, Renaissance Fair, because the story of Tangled, you know, it's based on Rapunzel, which is a German fairy tale. And so they kind of carry that theme into the food. It's a little bit heavier than some of the other restaurants where there's like pork platters and, um, you know, those type of kind of that heavier German Oktoberfest type of feel with the menu. But that's not really the menu isn't necessarily why you're excited to be there. Why you're excited to be there is that this is sort this is a space that Disney has turned into an entertainment type of restaurant so that while you're eating, the tangled characters are on the stage, they're acting out a story, they're they're running around, um, there's like a little uh, or there's like a sort of space between the tables where the characters can come and walk around and they interact with people as they're eating. And so that's really fun for the kids. And Tangled is a very popular movie um, for a lot of kids. I mean, Disney is in, Magic in particular has invested big time in Tangled. They're the only ship that has the Tangled musical on board. They also do a Snuggly Duckling takeover of the adult pub. The Snuggly Duckling is in the movie. Mm -hmm. And so they do like a takeover of the pub one night. So they have that. And then they have this Rapunzel's table. So it's a lot of Tangled, which is apparently Tangled is a very popular movie. Um, I saw it before I went. So I knew the stories, which uh, I was happy to know. And um, it's just it, the space is very beautiful. It's got the lanterns from the movie ha all hanging down from the ceiling. And so when you walk in, it really does have that sense of something different and something very cool. What can you expect to pay if you want if you want to dine there? It's free. It's complimentary. Oh, okay. it's oh wow! I did not realize that. Okay. 
Yeah, it's absolutely free. It's part of the rotation. So you'll be there at least on a five-night cruise, you'll be there at least one night. And if you're there on a seven-night cruise, you'll be there um, two nights. And uh, again, it's, it's this restaurant, it's the, only, it's the only tangled restaurant in the fleet right now. Okay. Now, you were mentioning uh, in the rotation, so the Disney uh, Magic has, like the other Disney ships, rotational dining. Uh, how were the other two venues you ate at? Oh, they were great. I mean, Luminaire is uh, is sort of the more formal space. It's named after Beauty and the Beast, uh, the character from Beauty and the Beast. And it's kind of that lovely, it's very airy and uh, pretty, kind of like a palace, which kind of goes through with the Beauty and the Beast format. The menu there is a little bit more formal. Um, that being said, I think I enjoyed that menu a little bit more of than the rest of the other restaurants uh, because it has some French favorites on there. You know, if you like escargot, if you like foie gras, that type of thing. Um, the kids might not eat it, but there's certainly a lot there for the adults. And just for the dining in general, that was something I thought that Disney nailed. It absolutely had that perfect where there were so many options for the kids, but then there were also a lot of options for adults. And I think they've really thought hard about that, about how can we make these spaces appeal to all ages and to all types of, um, you know, palettes, that type of thing. Yeah. How was the... Um so wait, see, so there was the Illuminaires, there was the... Um... Oh, and then Animator's Palette is okay. the other restaurant. And that's a very, I don't want to give it away because there's kind of, and that's what everyone told me before I went. They said, oh, we're not going to give it away. We're not going to give away the secret of the Animator's Palette. It's kind of, it's, it's another one of those, it's a restaurant that also has a bit of a show where you watch the walls and things change. And then there's sort of a finale at the end where, um, you know, everything kind of turns from one one shade into another. And that was very cool to watch. I knew, I kind of knew it was coming, but it was still very fun. And, um, the dining room is very engaged. Uh, so it's a fun place to be for, for dinner. Very nice. Now, how was the buffet on board? The buffet, it made me laugh because as soon as I walked into the buffet, the first thing on the buffet was a big thing of mac and cheese and a big thing of chicken fingers. And I thought, wow, does Disney Magic know who's going to be here at this buffet? It's going to be kids who want that, who want, you know, they're just not going to be apologetic about here it is. Here's your mac and cheese. Here's your chicken fingers, which I have to say, I ran the 5K and as soon as I was done with that, what did I want? I wanted mac and cheese and chicken fingers, so they were they were very good. But the buffet is it's it's extensive. There's again that there's got that food for the kids, but then there's also crab claws and shrimp for the adults. And um, it was it was a very well rounded buffet, I thought. And I was also impressed again by how um, how it wasn't very chaotic. Mm-hmm. It was very kind of calm. And even if you eat when you eat there for dinner, for most nights they'll put um you know there's a tablecloth on the re- on the tables and it's more like a regular restaurant than it is like a buffet. And so that's, that's very nice too. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. As far as the entertainment goes, um, and this is where we'll touch on the, the Marvel days at sea, um, how was the entertainment on board for you? This is where the Disney name and the Disney reputation really excels because you know, I, I live close to New York and so I, I do go to Broadway quite a bit. And so for me, there's a really high standard of entertainment that I'm I'm used to and that a lot of cruise lines don't always meet. That being said, the very first night we were watching um, the first musical which, that they had on board the first show, which was based around Cinderella, and just the quality of the singing and the quality of the music and effects, I turned to my friend and thought, I'm like, this is why people will pay more money to be on this ship, or part of the reason, because this is amazing. It's a much higher 
standard with the entertainers than I've seen on many, many, many other ships. So that was really fun. I enjoyed all the shows. Um, we didn't miss a one. Uh, so that was, I thought that was very high quality. With the Marvel days at sea, this is very fascinating to me. Now, personally, I'm not a Marvel fan. I know you were traveling with a really big Marvel fan. So how was that experience? I thought Marvel Day at Sea was amazing um, and a really smart move by Disney to um, bring in something that would appeal to a different audience that might not typically have chosen it. Uh, Marvel Day at Sea, Disney has, has, you know, Disney now owns Marvel Entertainment, which Marvel is the home of superheroes like Iron Man, uh, Black Panther, which is a super popular movie right now, um, Spider-Man, uh, Thor, who's my personal favorite. And um, they own that. And they also own Star Wars now at this point. And so what they've done is they've developed these theme days for some of their ship, for two of their ships. One is Star Wars Day at Sea, and one of them is Marvel Day at Sea. Marvel Day at Sea only takes place on Magic. So if, you're, if people are comic book fans, the only place you can see it is on Disney Magic. Um, which I, I wasn't didn't know before I went on the ship, but um, it's a full day of programming based around the comics. And I have to say, I thought what I really liked about the way they set it up was I think that they did so, they did something for everyone, which was very exciting. So the little kids had a show with um, Doctor Strange, who's one of the characters, like a magic show, which was very much aimed at a younger kids level. And then about sunset, there was again for the smaller kids, there was a show on the top deck starring Mickey and Minnie and the rest of the very traditional Disney gang wearing Marvel shirts and acting like superheroes, but it was still very Disney and feeling. But then the, the late show, the one at, at 10, was very sophisticated, actually, for an onboard show. All of the characters who had been roaming around the ship and doing photo ops all day were involved in this show. Anybody who'd ever seen you know, any of the Marvel movies because that's that's how most people that's how a lot of people know these characters right not everybody's and certainly I have not been somebody who's read comic books mm -hmm. in my life but I had seen a lot of the movies because of my husband and relatives and such so I, I knew I knew you know you, you see that at this show that they have at night it's very elaborate they've they've worked on it they, they have things set up that they've done ahead of time it's multimedia and uh, I don't want to give things away because it's really it's really fun and um, exciting for people. And then at the end, there's fireworks, which is always fun to see at sea. But the whole the whole day, it was just from eight in the morning until midnight. There was programming around Marvel. And where I think this has been really smart for Disney is that, you know, little girls like the princesses, mm -hmm. you know, um, they've always had that and, and the girls run up and see them and, and certainly some boys too, but you know, it's, it's, that's a very, kind of been a very girly thing. And so I think people might've thought, well, what's here for my little boy, you know? And a lot of people dressed up in costume. A lot of the kids dressed up in costume. There were so many little Iron Mans and Spider-Mans and, you know, Black Panthers roaming around the ship. It was just adorable. Oh, Captain America. I mean, it was adorable. And um, it was so cute to see them interacting with their superheroes. I, I was just dying all day. I was like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Is this something that both kids and adults can take part in? It is because, I mean, believe me, there were quite a few adults dressed up in superhero okay. costumes, too. This was not just, it wasn't just kids. Like, whole families were dressed up in costumes, which was adorable. But what that was nice, too, what I found is that there were these activities for the little kids, but then the teenagers really gravitated toward, um, they had game shows based on Marvel trivia, 
and they had um, a speaker from Marvel who came and talked. They had Marvel movies playing throughout the throughout the ship all day. Like all the movies shown on board were Marvel movies. And um, so there was really something for everyone, including sometimes teenagers are some of the toughest people to please on a cruise. But um, these teenagers, a lot of them, I mean, certainly they're in that comic book reading age and they were killing it in trivia. I mean, I think the one who won one of the trivias, I mean, he was like this, I think maybe 16 years old and he was just killing it. He knew the answer to everything. And, you know, that's, that's an exciting thing for a boy who might be going thinking, Oh, what am I like a teenage boy is like, what am I going to get out of a Disney cruise? Well, if you've got all this comic book stuff, then you're in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally. Um, Hey, as far as the sea days go, speaking of sea days, how was the ship as far as like crowds and congestion around there, like by the pool and dining and all that on the sea days? Well, I will say that the pool for the families, uh, the main pool on Disney Magic seemed very small to me, um, much smaller than I would think another on, on other cruise ships. So that was kind of interesting. They also have a splash playground, however, and they also have two water slides. So there was no shortage of places to go for the kids. But what I really thought was interesting is that I found this was the most counterintuitive spring break cruise I'd ever been on because you would imagine as an adult that a spring break cruise would be so chaotic with so many children that you wouldn't have a good time. Disney Magic has a, a lot of real estate dedicated to only adults. And um, since I was traveling with a friend, we had whole sections of the ship to ourselves. Nice. So because we had a late dining time, you know, all the ki- all the families dine early. So we had the late dining time. So we didn't really see a lot of kids at dinner. We ate in Palo, which is the adult restaurant, a couple times. And the adult pool is actually significantly larger than the family pool. It's really large. As part of their refurb, they revamped Signals, which was the adult um, – pool bar and they made it more into an outdoor lounge. They also revamped uh, the coffee shop into the cove. And so that's also in the adult area. And so it was huge amounts of real estate dedicated just to adults, which was very quiet. And Disney is one of the few lines I saw that actually will enforce the adult only rule. Like we saw families with babies being turned away from the adults area, which you don't see on, you know, a lot of lines will say, Hey, kids under 16 aren't allowed, but they let them through anyway. Mm-hmm. That was just not happening on Disney Magic. So it was really interesting. Um, wow. You know, it, it would be almost like two ships in one where you'd be in this quiet adult area. And then all of a sudden you'd walk into like the main atrium where they were having character meet and greets and things like that. And it just the decibel level would go up, you know, like 50, you know, <laughs> degrees. But um, I just thought, I thought they did a good job of like kind of making sure that, the, that it was very, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a chaotic ship. I've certainly been on other ships that seemed much more chaotic. And, um, yeah, I thought they did a great job with that. That's such a contrast from like the mainstream cruise lines where the adults only area, I mean, there's adults only, but yep. you can never find a seat, right? Because everyone's trying to get away from their family. Yeah, no, here, I mean, you had your choice. I mean, there's nobody in the pool. You mm-hmm. could get a drink order. I mean, we, I was like, well, why? I, mean, I was thinking, why is this? Well, of course, there's more families because it's spring break, and right. they are all in that other area, and there just weren't as many adults traveling. And, but uh, it's, it was kind of, it was, it was definitely less crowded than uh, for us in the adult area than other mainstream cruises that I've been on. Very good. Now, this is a five-night Western Caribbean sailing out of Miami. So, what ports did you hit? We went to Cozumel, and then we went to Disney's private island, Castaway Key. Okay. Is the ship normally doing five nights or was this kind of like a, like a one-off 
sailing out of Miami for five nights? No, the five nights are, are part of what Disney Magic normally does. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty standard. It was a pretty standard cruise for them. Okay, cool. So you make your way back to Port Miami. Um, how was the disembarkation process? It was very easy. We get off on our own. And so um, I liked that Disney did a good job of having enough restaurants available for people in the mornings to, to eat before they left. Um, you didn't have that feeling of get off quickly because we need you off. Uh, the service overall on the ship was just very, it was outstanding. And so uh, I liked that feeling of a, of a kind of, it, it wasn't necessarily a leisurely breakfast before embarkation because it never is, but I liked the fact that they had plenty of places open and that the service did not flag. Okay. Do you have any tips looking back over this, like to um, offer anyone who may be considering sailing Disney Magic? Well, one thing that we haven't really said, it's kind of the elephant in the room here, is that a Disney cruise is a fairly pricey proposition. Mm -hmm. It is definitely more expensive than a cruise on Royal Caribbean or Carnival or Norwegian or one of the other mainstream ships that is a great deal for families. That being said, I can see if you are a family that loves Disney and your kids love Disney and they love the movies – it's worth the splurge. I would I would save up for it if I had children. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that just they did everything very well. I thought that it's it's interesting to be on a ship that caters completely to families. All those thoughtful touches, but then also the parents that they've thought about the parents and given them plenty of spaces for date night. The kids clubs were extensive, and uh, lots of programming. I found that there are lots of things that families could do both together and apart, mm-hmm. which from what I understand is what a parent wants when they go on a trip, that they want to have some time to themselves, but they also want plenty of time to do fun things as a family. And I really think Disney delivers on that. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think the Marvel Day at Sea, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. I just hadn't expected to be so into it. And I really enjoyed, I just really enjoyed every aspect of it. And they had really thought it out and again, had something for every age group. Oh, one thing I didn't mention about that that I thought was also interesting is that they had a lounge where people could take iPads and read comic books if they wanted to, which I thought was really interesting because you know, the stereotype of a comic book lover is that they're more introverted perhaps than, and they want some quiet reading time. And I thought that was really thoughtful that they provided an activity for those type of kids too. Oh yeah. With the comic book experience, is that like anybody could do it? I think anybody could do it. And since I've been back, I have seen now three Marvel movies and my nephew, who's a big fan, has given me a list of all the ones I need to see in order. And I am making my way through it because there's a, another adventure movie coming out at the end of April. And he wants me ready for it. <laughs> so I, you know, my husband and I have been watching Marvel movies. And I certainly did not expect to be doing that after I got off the ship. And so, um, and one of the, you know, one of the PRs had told me that when I was on that, Marvel, you know, they're really hoping that this partnership, like, you know, maybe exposes kids who love Disney to more Marvel. And that was certainly something that happened for me that I I really enjoyed that part. And and now I don't know if I'm ever going to be a comic aficionado, but I definitely think I can tell people apart now. (laughs) Well, more Marvel equals more money being spent. So that's, uh, that's a win for them for sure, right? Absolutely, and and again, bringing people on board that might not have gone, you know, have, might not have considered a Disney cruise before. Yeah, I think what Black Panther is over a billion dollars right now at the box office. It's unreal. 
comics. Yeah, Black Panther. Now I have not seen that one yet, but no. yeah, Black Panther. That when uh, this the sailing I was on was the first time that Black Panther had been introduced at any Disney property, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal, I guess, when they introduce new characters into yeah. the Disney parks and and ships and such like that. So people were very excited and certainly getting a picture with Black Panther was a big draw. Well, uh, in closing here, Chris, what are your final thoughts of Disney Magic? I think it's a great ship for children and adults. And I think it's it's a five-day cruise is certainly a good taster for before you go on a seven-day. It's certainly more affordable. And uh, so I would I would definitely tell parents that to to look into that and to look into the, again if you've got maybe teenagers or boys that you think might be too old for Disney overall you're a little uncertain you know look into these comic book sailings be the Marvel sailings because that would really probably appeal to them in a way that maybe the traditional Disney canon might not. Been talking with Chris Gray Faust from CruiseCritic.com and Chris by the way did you have some um. Do you have some coverage from this we can link to in the show notes? Yeah, we do. We have um, several stories about Marvel Day at Sea. We have a story about Rapunzel's Royal Table. And we also have a story about something that's unique to Disney ships, which is called Fish Extenders, which are basically um, Secret Santa groups, Mm -hmm. Secret Santa type groups on the sailings. And we have a story on that, too. Okay, cool. Well, we'll link those in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Chris, thank you, my dear. Thank you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.